0: Every single day, more ambitious people take their skills to the internet and start an online business. The online space is getting more and more crowded, but I'm noticing that most of the businesses I see popping up are failing to check a few very important boxes. Without doing these things, I believe that you are setting yourself up for failure. So whether you're just starting out or you're busy growing an existing business, you're going to want to listen to today's episode, five steps you cannot skip if you want a successful online business. I'm Melissa Rogers, recovering supermom, corporate dropout, and CEO of a successful online business that I built from scratch with a baby on my hip. Through lots of trial and more error than I'd like to admit, I built a thriving company that impacts thousands of busy, high-achieving moms around the world and gives me and my family a life and future that we had only dreamed of before. I created the Self-Made Mamas podcast to bring you step-by-step strategies and inspirational stories that will help you design a business that gives you the life you really want and the future you've been dreaming of. If you are an ambitious business mom or one in the making, you're in the right place. So let's get to work. Okay, my friends, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, we are talking about five steps you cannot skip if you want a successful online business. So, I'm going to be walking you through these five steps. And the reason that I wanted to record this episode is because, as I mentioned in the intro, I am seeing a huge influx of people that are service providers or, you know, employed people taking their skills and their experience and education and moving into the online business space, which is completely understandable, obviously with the pandemic and the impact that it's had on the economy and people's uh, working situations, particularly working parents. I think that it's a logical sort of next step for people. But what I'm seeing is that the space is getting really, really crowded with all of these new brands and businesses and people launching themselves into the online business space. But it's very apparent to me when someone hasn't done the foundational work for their business. And sometimes people get years into their business without taking these foundational steps. And what they will find is that they'll kind of hit a relatively low plateau that they can't get over because this work hasn't been done because these steps haven't been taken. So these are the steps that I want to share with you today. These are really, really important, whether or not you are just starting out or maybe you are more established and you're feeling that things are a little bit slower than you would like. It's well worth going back and working through these steps to, you know, really set yourself up with a strong, solid foundation that you can really build on. So. Step one, step one is pick one person that you want to serve really, really well. And this is perhaps the the easiest and most obvious of the steps. So we all know about niches, um, or niches. If you say it like that, um, we all know that you are supposed to have, you know, an ideal client or a dream client or an ICA, however you've been taught. But I think that, a lot of people gloss over this, um, or they do some kind of surface level work around an ideal client and then just kind of leave it alone. And they, so they'll give someone a label. Like, for example, if I was just doing sort of superficial level, uh, ideal client work for my business, I would just say like, Hey mama, or to the moms, or I would speak, I would just kind of label them and label moms and talk to them that way and just continue with my messaging. But There's a difference between just kind of labeling your ideal client and really understanding them. And so when you're picking that one person that you want to serve really, really well, it's really important that you have a deeper level understanding of them and the problems that they're facing and the things that they want out of their life um, and the barriers that they have that have prevented them from from solving their problems and also their priorities. That's really important as well. So Often what we see is people will pick a niche, they'll pick a, you know an ideal client, a person that they want to serve, and they will want to solve a problem for them that is not actually that, that person's priority, or they will be pitching something to them that is just not quite valuable enough to that person it, for them to take action, and that, then that business will struggle, right? Because it's not something that is like a no-brainer for the person to buy. And that kind of leads into the second step, which is to pick one problem that that person has that you can confidently solve if they work with you. So when you gain a really deep understanding of the person that you want to serve, you should have a very deep understanding of the problems that they're facing in their life as they relate to your skills and education, right? So I want you to pick just one problem that that person has that you can confidently solve. And I I am underlining this in the air right now, confidently solve, right? So this is not something that, I don't want you to identify a problem that they have. So what's an example? Um, let's say a lot of moms with young kids at home have trouble making time for working out. That's a problem that they have. And I know that's a problem that they have. I cannot solve that problem for them. I'm sitting next to my Peloton right now and there is dust on it. That This is not my area of genius, right? So just because you've identified, you know, 10 or 20 problems that your your person has doesn't mean that you are the one to solve all of them. And even if there are a few different ones that you could solve, it doesn't mean that you should be trying to solve all of them at once. When you are trying to build your business to the six figure or like low multiple six figure range, you need to be focusing on one problem, okay? So that doesn't mean that other supports and knowledge, uh, can, cannot be built into to your offer in the end. It just means that when it comes to the way that you're marketing and the, um, the foundation and the core of your offers, they need to revolve around one problem. Okay. So pick one problem that your person has that you can confidently solve if they work with you. The next step is that I want you to pick one platform. Now, I'm going to add some disclaimers to this. So what I want you to do is pick one platform to create primary content for. That doesn't mean that you're only going to show up on one platform because unfortunately the way that digital marketing has evolved over the last couple of years, that is no longer enough, nor is that a good strategy. So. Probably three years ago, if you had asked me for advice about marketing on social media, I would have said, pick a platform, don't bother with anything else, just focus all your efforts there and it will grow. And sadly, that is no longer the case. So what I recommend now is picking one platform to focus your primary content creation efforts on, and then using that content and distributing it across multiple platforms, whether that's you doing that yourself, or perhaps you have a VA to do it or someone like that. I think that it is really important that your content is present in several different places because the way that the algorithms have changed, the way that the demand for content has changed in the digital marketing space, in the online business space, means that if you are not producing an insanely high volume of content that is competitive content, as in it's high quality enough to compete in the feed with all of the millions of other pieces of content that are out there, then you are going to find growth and client attraction very difficult. So I believe that it is no longer wise to have your eggs in one basket, so to speak. And it never has been completely wise. I would say, you know, I would always caution my clients, uh, you know, build on Instagram, but you should be also building your email list, just in case, right? But the reality is that you know you could have an email list of 10,000 people and only 2,000 of them open your emails. That's very common. The 20 to 30 percent open rate is very common. So. Um, Much like on Instagram, for example, where you can have a following of 10,000 people and only a few hundred of them will see your content, email is is similar. You just have a better reach on the people that have opted in. So I think it's really important in 2022 that we pay attention to diversifying our traffic sources and diversifying our client attraction and lead attraction uh, plan so that we can kind of algorithm proof and uh, market shift proof our marketing efforts, right? So you wanna make sure that your content is being repurposed in several places. Um, I've seen lots of people that build primarily on TikTok, then they take their content and upload it to Instagram uh, and vice versa. I don't believe it works quite as well, vice versa. Um, Instagram is like the less cool cousin of TikTok at this point. So you have to understand that if you are posting your Instagram content to TikTok, I've been trying it out just to see what happens. um, It's just not going to be uh, received as well because it just doesn't fit the vibe on tiktok and it's very clearly from instagram um, whereas that does is not true in reverse you can take tiktok content and as long as you've removed the watermarks you can share it to instagram and users are so used to the formatting and the way that it looks that it doesn't miss a beat lots of people are very successful doing that and depending on the kind of business you have and your capacity for content creation i actually uh, suggest that you have at least one long form piece of content at least once a month, um, ideally once a week or more. So for me, my long form content is my podcast. And over the last few months, I've not been particularly consistent with it. I've been having some uh, really disruptive childcare uh, struggles but um my littlest is is going into some regular child care starting next week so we'll have a couple weeks of kind of gradual entry um all over the place and then he'll be um he'll be looked after consistently so that i can get back to being consistent in my content so as as much as you are able to i do recommend that you have either a podcast or videos youtube is I don't think that we should be sleeping on YouTube. So one of my goals, I'm not quite ready to do it yet, but one of my goals is to actually turn this into a video podcast and record uh, videos of myself recording the podcast and have it on both places. I think YouTube is up and coming and Instagram has now become searchable as well. So um, everything is kind of moving towards that highly searchable uh, SEO-esque content and Uh, TikTok has always been highly searchable. It's one of the things that makes it so um, good compared to Instagram from a user perspective is that if you've seen a video or you've heard of a video or a topic and you want to look it up, you literally can just search it. And um, TikTok is so searchable that it will pull truly relevant videos and you'll be able to go through them, right? Instagram is only just doing that. So um, Instagram historically has been terrible for searchability and they've relied on hashtags. So, um, that was a bit of a social media tangent. I apologize for that. I want you to pick one platform to create your primary content for. So that may be that you're creating short form content on TikTok or Instagram, and then you're distributing it to Pinterest. Uh, you're distributing it to your email list. You know, you're doing a little write up about it, or it may be that you're starting with your long form content. So maybe you're writing a blog post, maybe you're recording a YouTube video or recording a podcast, and then you are creating short form content out of that one piece of long form content right so however it is i want you to pick one platform that's going to be your primary platform and then develop a way to distribute that elsewhere step four position yourself as an authentic authority in your space and earn trust by showing up to serve consistently so what the hell does authentic authority mean in my opinion this means that you have knowledge you have experience you have ability, and you have empathy. And so if you do not have those things within your niche, then you are not an authentic authority in your space, right? So you need to have knowledge, obviously. You shouldn't be selling something that you don't have significant knowledge about. You should have experience. You shouldn't be selling services or digital products that you do not have um, experience getting results with or getting results through, you should have an ability, obviously. So, you know, ideally we're not starting a business based on something that we're really bad at. We're starting a business based on something we're really good at, right? So there needs to be ability there. And there also needs to be empathy. I think there needs to be an understanding of the person that you are selling to and a true empathy for their position and their problems and the barriers that they are facing. I think you can have knowledge and experience and ability. And if you don't have empathy, true empathy for the person that you're trying to serve, that is going to come through in your content. And it's going to come through in your marketing and people are not going to feel compelled to buy from you. And I think that that is, um, that's missing from a lot of businesses. So often what we'll see is, you know, your average kind of like Jane Doe will start a business. And she is, you know, averagely resourced. So, you know, she's middle class, um, just a normal person living in a a normal house, normal suburb, however you want to imagine it. And she starts a business and she's starting it from home. Maybe she has little kids at home. Maybe her kids are at school. But it's not like she has tens of thousands of dollars to put into the startup. That's typically the big pull to an online business, right? Is that the overhead to start is almost non existent. You know, you kind of need social media, and maybe a website and a few things like that. So it's it's not hard to get into the, the barrier is very low. Um, however, what I often see is people that are very well resourced starting businesses and using their, their wealth and their lifestyle as marketing. And the reason that people don't usually like that, it does work in, in some cases, unfortunately, but for the most part, I believe that consumers are too savvy for that. And one of the reasons that that doesn't land most of the time is because those people often actually lack empathy for the person they're trying to serve. So let's say you are um, a life coach who helps people stop drinking. That's your niche, right? And you, your marketing is based on the fact that when you stop drinking, you will have all of this incredible success. And things things will be amazing for you, and your life will be so much better. And you'll weigh less, and you'll be healthier, and your skin will be clearer and your relationship will be better, and just you'll be richer. Everything will be amazing. And you are living this beautiful, you know, abundant life because you are a person of means, and you're able to flash that all over the internet, and blah 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 blah. blah. But you have never actually struggled with alcohol. You've just learned about how to help people with it, um, and. You are marketing to someone, or maybe you don't even know anybody immediate in your immediate presence who has struggled with alcohol. You're marketing to people who are struggling with drinking and, and you haven't been there or you haven't witnessed it. And so, or you are so beyond it, you're so above it that you, you don't actually have any true empathy for it. And that can be felt in your marketing, right? People know, people know when the energy is off. People know when you don't actually get them. Um, And so that's why I think empathy is such an important ingredient when it comes to positioning yourself as an authentic authority, because people can feel it. People sense the energy of someone who is just looking out for themselves and who doesn't particularly care about the person that they're serving just sort of sees them as a a paycheck. Um, I think that's very apparent. And I think especially as the space gets more and more crowded, you cannot go into a business if you do not empathize with the person that you are trying to sell to in your business, because there's too much competition, there are too many options, people are not interested in um, in having sort of salesy, like aspirational stuff, rammed down their throat anymore. There's too much of it out there, and it may work a little bit. Um, people are obviously drawn to sort of flash and um, uh, and wealth and luxury and things like that. It may work to an extent, but I think that it's kind of an empty shell that you're building your business on and not an actual strong foundation. So businesses are built on relationships, relationships require empathy, and a successful business in the online business space requires you to have that as well as knowledge, experience and ability in your niche. Step number five is to price yourself in a way that pays you for all of the time that you put into your business. So I'm going to dig into this one a little bit. When we start businesses, and I'm talking about an online business where you uh, you're kind of monetizing your skills or perhaps you've developed a digital product or something like that, we often price our services and our digital products for the delivery of the service or the product. We don't price our products and services, For everything that has gone into that delivery, and this is a mistake that I 100% made in the early years of my business, and even when I first started coaching, I would just kind of charge for my time. I didn't really, I didn't really grasp this concept. But the more women I've coached, at this point I've coached hundreds of women, and the more women I have coached, the more I analyze the data that we have in the society, and I look at. where people are getting stuck, or where people may be heading towards a, you know a burnout or something like that. and more the more I've just observed what's going on in the online space, I realize that most of us, when we start out, at least for the first few years, we are not pricing our work in a way that pays us for all the time we put into our business. And as a result, we get paid for the clients that we secure and we get paid for the products that we sell. And then the other 75% of the time that we're putting into our business is unpaid. And this is unsustainable. And when you think about it, if you are paying a professional, so like, let's say you are paying a um, uh, a therapist, let's say, say you're paying a therapist $200 an hour uh, for a session. You're not actually paying them $200 for their time, right? You are paying them for... The, like seven six seven years of post-secondary education and uh and sort of practicum and hands-on learning and experience that has gone into them being equipped to lead that session with you and to help you with whatever problems you are bringing to the session right you're not like when you we pay for things we're not just paying for the thing paying for the service and i think you know the like fast consumerism economy has really contributed to this mindset for a lot of us but the reality is that you know when someone is buying a service or a product from your business they are buying like a piece of your knowledge and experience and effort from your business right and so you need to price yourself in such a way that you are compensated for all the time you're putting into your business and that will allow you to always have the time to put into your business and the effort to put into your business and be well resourced enough to continue to do that over time so your business can grow so if you only charge for your time for example let's say you are a life coach and you charge a hundred dollars an hour and you only charge for that time and you are trying to make uh, let's say five thousand dollars a month, and so you have to book enough. You have to book enough calls to add up to five thousand dollars a month, right? So you have to book fifty calls in a month, which is an average of say like twelve calls a week. So you're spending twelve, thirteen hours um, on Zoom or you know in session in your office every single week, um, and you are getting paid for that 12 hours but in order to secure those clients in order to have those 50 calls every month which is a lot of calls in order to have that you have to spend another 30 hours a week marketing and and doing things for your business and all the things that go into the operations of your business all the things that go into lead acquisition for your business um you know having your website done blah 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 all of these expenses that go into getting to the point where you actually have that client, you're not getting compensated for those. And we, I think we all think that's normal. I certainly did when I first started my business, but I've come to realize that the secret to having a sustainable business right from the start is to price yourself in a way where you are compensated for all of that. And that it's not a bad thing to do so because all of that effort and time and money and experience and education that is going into your business that has value and you should be compensated for it so that's a big mindset shift that is perhaps the most important step on this list it's a big mindset shift that i had to make and one that i'm working with all of my clients on at the moment is making sure that you are being compensated appropriately and when we say appropriately we mean in a way that makes your business sustainable to run not in a way that um, you think is sort of affordable or or right for your customer. Obviously, there are market caps. Obviously, depending on who you're serving, there is kind of a you know a max to how much you can charge in certain spaces. But for the most part, pricing is very variable. For the most part, the sky is the limit. And so, while that doesn't mean that you should be charging thirty thousand dollars for you know some kind of like low value, low ticket offer, it does mean that there is probably a lot of wiggle room in what you are charging to cover the time that you're putting in to your marketing, to cover the time that's going into your operations, to cover the business expenses that you are carrying in order to keep going. And I think this is really the secret to having a profitable online business right from the early days so that you have what you need. You have the resources that you need at your disposal to put back into your business, to put back into yourself and your life so that it's sustainable and scalable. Okay. So that's what I'm going to leave you with today. If you like this episode, make sure you take a screenshot, share it to your stories, tag me, let me know you're listening to it. Let me know what you thought. I'd love to hear from you and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Self-Made Mamas podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you want more content like this and leave a review if you like what you hear. You can find more information about working with us at theselfmademama.com or connect with us on Instagram at selfmademama underscore. I can't wait to chat.